Today on a very special Sunday, obviously, and uh, we are excited about um, what you're going to learn today uh, from this young lady who's standing beside me. Before I do uh, say some things about Selena, let me just uh, remind you on the Christmas project, when you pull that tag off the tree, just put it right back on that gift after you wrap it, put it right back on that gift and then bring it back to the church. I forgot to mention that. Uh, Selena Smith and her husband Mike, Mike give a big wave right there, there's her husband on the front row supporting her this morning because Selena just loves being up here in front of y'all, she is just so <laughs> excited about that, I know she's a little nervous this morning but she spoke at the bridge last night and I wasn't feeling very well last night but I heard she did a great, great job and now here she is with us this morning to share on a very, very important topic. Selena and Mike uh, have been coming to Whitley for about five years. Selena is a school teacher and uh, is teaching at Wayne Community College in the early college high school, high school thing. And um, <laughs> we have several people from our church who are involved in that. Miss Betty Grantham uh, also is one of them. And um, we just love Mike and Selena. Ever since they came here five years ago, they have just given of their talent and their time and their energy, and they have been such a blessing. But little did I know that hidden in her heart was an incredible, amazing testimony. Uh, they have two beautiful little girls, Taylor and Jada. Um, both of them are if you are anywhere near, you know that they're around. They're just outgoing, and they're just awesome. Uh, little ones, seven. Taylor's seven. Jada's five. Three. Three. <laughs> and, um, boy, I had them on up there, didn't I? But uh, we just love this family. Rick Warren uh, says something that, that uh, has just been such a blessing in my life, and it is this, that God never wastes a bad experience. You're about to see an example and hear an example of that this morning. I want you to listen very, very carefully. You know from the PowerPoint that you just saw and read about what this is going to um, be about. So let me say to you that if after this message today you would like to talk to someone, we have already set up for you uh, someone that you can talk to and it will be kept totally 100% private, confidential. All you have to do is just get in contact with me and we will help you in any way we can. I want you to make welcome to the pulpit of Whitley Church, Miss Selena Smith. Um, Pastor Farrell was saying that it was hidden in my heart. I really didn't know it was hidden in my heart, but um, God let me know five years ago. Um, so I'm here to talk to you about this issue that you just saw on the screen. And I'm just a teacher. I'm not a preacher. I'm just a high school English teacher. But God has arrested my soul over this. And it's not just affecting the other side of the world. It is right here in our very own neighborhoods. Um, just last week, some of you may have read the paper, front page news. There were two articles back to back about people in this area that were arrested for this very thing. Um, the week before that, front page, a six-year-old was on the front page, the same thing, in our very own neighborhoods. So I'm going to start with my testimony, and I'm just going to kind of branch off into some things that I hope you can take with you today. 
When I came to Whitley, as Pastor Farrell said five years ago, um, I really felt like I needed to serve others more because I was really selfish with my time. And so Pastor Farrell, that's what he was preaching on, was serving other people. So I thought, okay, I really felt led to come here, and that's really where I need to be is Whitley Church. And about a month after we came, um, Tony and Sandy Sasser stood up here, and they said, we're going to start a program called Celebrate Recovery. And it's for people who have, you know, addictions and hurts and things in their life. And I kind of thought it was for alcohol and drug addiction. So I thought that was really great that this church offered that to the community. Um, But I didn't really think that that applied to me, but I was happy about it nonetheless. And then two weeks later, we had been here about six weeks. Mike was not even in the choir yet. We were just, you know, regular everyday people, happy to sit on the pew and not be in front of anybody. And God... um, God was really dealing with me about service, and Sandy stood right here, and she said, we're going to start a special group in Celebrate Recovery for victims of childhood sexual abuse. And when she said that, I was sitting right there, and God grabbed hold of me so strongly, and I didn't even think what happened to me was called that. I mean, I just thought it was inappropriate. I didn't know it was called that, and I never wanted to know it was called that because I never wanted to face it. And when she said that, God was pulling me to the altar. And I said, I am not going up there. I don't know these people. I think we knew three people in the whole church. And there was about 500 people at the time. And I said, I just can't do that, God. I'm not going up there in front of all these people. I do not know them. And so I just sat there in my pew. And I did. I really, I like planted my feet. I'm like, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. And so finally, God, he wrestled with me that morning. And I was so tired when I got home that I just laid down and went to sleep. I was exhausted. And God worked on me all week. And he said, you need to go to celebrate recovery. And I said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not thinking I need to. I don't, I don't think I need to do that, God. And he said, you need to go. And finally, um, After he wore me down for about a week, I told Mike, I said, do you remember what I told you before we got married that I said we would never, ever talk about again, ever? And he said, yes. And I said, well, I think I need to go to Celebrate Recovery. And he said, well, then you should go. And I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to that. I don't want anybody to know that happened to me. I I don't want to talk to people about that. That is personal. And he said, well, then you should go if God's telling you to go. And so... Another week went by, and I just, God was just wrestling with me. And I said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to go to this thing. So finally, I worked up enough courage, and I drove to the carpenter's house. And I walked up to the door, and I stood outside the door for a long time, just staring at the door, because I didn't know if I'd actually walk in. I just stood there, and I stared. And it was like out of a movie where you see these dramatic moments where this person's in this moment of indecision, and I just couldn't make up my mind. And so finally, I walked in. And as soon as I crossed over the threshold of the door, I realized, I mean, tears started filling my eyes, and I hadn't even gotten in the door good. And I realized I had a problem that I had never dealt with. And so I sat down, and I was like, oh, my gosh, am I so transparent? Do people know why I'm here? I was so hoping that nobody knew why I was there. And um, I think I I recognized one person, but I really didn't know that person very well. So I was just kind of in my little seat, and a yellow notepad made its way to my table. And they wanted you to write your name and your phone number down so they could contact you about the meetings. And I said, okay, I can do that. So I I wrote it down. And then I got to the far right-hand column, and they wanted you to write down your issue, the issue that you were dealing with. And I said, they have got to be kidding me. They want me to write my issue down, this thing that I can't even face. And they want me to write it in black and white on paper, in pen, where it can't be erased, and where people will know. I said, 
yeah, I can't do that. So I left it blank. I was probably the only one that left it blank. But I was nosy, and I looked on the list because I wanted to see what everybody else wrote down. And so I looked up and down the list, and I saw that there were others for the same reason. And immediately, I tried to figure out who these people were, like, because they were just like me. And I had never met anyone that openly talked about it. So I looked around the room, and I was like, who are these people? I was trying to connect a name to a face, and it wasn't working. So I continued to come to the meetings, because God just wore me down about it. Um, In the next meeting, Sandy Sasser gave her testimony. And some of you have heard her testimony, because she's given it here before, I think, to the women's ministry. And I sat there in awe. And I said, I will never have that. I will never be able to do that. She's just standing there, and it is under her feet, and she is just a conqueror. And I said, I I'm just sitting here, and I'm all teary-eyed, and it's her testimony, and I can't even understand how she can get up there and say that. And so as I started talking to her um, and started talking at the meetings, the first meeting, you know, they came to me, and they wanted to know if I wanted to talk, and I said, pass. And I said, pass for a long time. But finally, you know, I was able to kind of talk about it. And it's kind of like when you go to the doctor and you have an infection and they slice it open and they let it come out. That was kind of what that experience was. And it hurts. I mean, the slicing open hurts. But when it comes out, that's where the healing comes from. And then I understood that because the world tells you, keep it a secret. Don't let people know. Don't tell anybody. But that's not God's way. And our ways are not God's ways. And so as I sat there that night, and I talked to her, and I said, I don't understand this. And I was so mad about it because I said, I am almost 30 years old. This happened to me when I was like four. Why can't I get over it? And I said, what happened to me is nowhere near what happened to you. I don't even know what my problem is. And she explained to me, and she said, it damages a person's spirit. She said, all abuse is bad. She said, but it damages a person's spirit. And I actually understood at that moment what my problem was. It had damaged who I was, not just me physically, but who I was as a person. And so as I started to go, um, I really understood, and and I I was receiving my healing, and I was feeling a lot better. And there was one night that we were sitting around, and there were maybe 10 women. And they would separate the men from the women so you could kind of talk and be really open. And so there were about 10 women there. And some of you may have been there that night because some of you did attend Celebrate Recovery. And we sat there, and maybe eight out of the ten it had happened to. And I said, what is the deal? It's happened to all of us, and we're from good families. We're from the families that knew where you were and what time you were going to be home and who you were going to be with. And if you weren't home on curfew time, your parents were looking for you. And that was my family. And they were just like me. And I said, how is it that it's happened to all of us sitting right here? And nobody knew it. And you can't be more protective than my parents. I mean, seriously. You cannot be more protective than my parents. I remember one time when I turned 16 and I got my license, and I didn't think that I was ever going to be able to drive anywhere because my parents were so protective. They wouldn't even let me ride my bicycle on the road in front of our house. We had to stay in the driveway at all times. And I wasn't sure I'd ever be able to go anywhere. But they said that my sister and I could go to the mall. And my parents live about a minute and a half from the mall. But they said we could go. And I remember we hopped in the car, and we were so excited to be free, and everything was great. And I came to the two stop signs before I got to the mall, and I crossed over, and I'm in the Sears parking lot. And I'm so excited because I'm thinking, I have finally arrived. I'm an adult, and I had all these little independent thoughts. And I made sure the car was turned off, and I was being very careful. And I got out of the car, and I'm like, 
I am the woman. I am here by myself with my sister, and my parents are not with me. And I turned around to go into the mall, and my dad was right there. And he said, I just want to make sure you got here okay. He was parked in his big blue van, and I said, oh, my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Two minutes. It was a two-minute drive if you were driving slow. And he wanted to make sure I got there okay. And my mom is worse. My dad, he's kind of easygoing, but my mom... Oh, my gosh. If you, She's really sweet and everything. And she reminds me of those little birds that you see that build their nest on the ground. I'm sure y'all have seen those. I think they're called killdeer. And I don't know why they build their nest on the ground because people just want to go peek in there because, you know, it's on the ground and you can. And so, but if you get close to that nest, that bird, it doesn't matter how big you are, you can be 100 times as big as that bird, and that bird will come after you, and it will peck your eyes out. Well... <laughs> That would be my mom, okay? She's all sweet, and you just want to go up to her, and she's all nice. But if you get too close to her nest, it is on, and she will come after you. And I remember there's been some people in my life that got too close to that nest. There was a kid on my bus one time, and he kept trying to kiss me. And when my mom found out, oh, my gosh, it was on. She got on the bus. When the bus came to get me the next day, she got on there, too. And she stood in front of that bus, and she told that kid and everybody else on that bus and the driver the deal. And needless to say, that kid left me alone. I think everybody left me alone because they knew that a kiss from me was not worth the wrath of my mama, and she was going to get them. So my parents, you can't be more protective than my parents. I was at a church-run daycare when it happened to me. You cannot be too careful. And if it could happen to me, It could happen to your child. It could happen to your grandchild. Nobody is safe from this thing. Okay, let me get another tissue. (laughs) Okay, so we sat there that night with 10 people or so. And I said, you know what? It's happened to us. And I don't know, from somewhere within, I said, somebody needs to do something. And I meant by somebody, one of them, because I didn't mean me. I meant one of them need, I thought I was going to throw that out there, and one of them was going to take it and run, but they just stared at me. And I thought, okay, somebody needs to do something. And I was feeling really good, you know, but I wasn't feeling that good. I mean, I wasn't feeling good enough to do something. I was feeling good enough to sit in my seat and be healed, um, not go out into the world and do something. But God started to speak into my spirit, and he said, I want you to write a children's book that explains it to children. And I went, What? You want me to do what? And he's like, I want you to write a book. And it's going to be very friendly and all cutesy. And it's going to be non-threatening. And it's going to explain it to kids in a way that um, they won't feel paranoid or or anything. And I said, God, you cannot be serious. I said, I have spent my whole life trying to pretend this never happened to me. And you want me to write a book and publish it? I said, if I do that, then people are going to know that happened to me. And I'm pretty sure I want to keep that a secret. Um, I know a few people at Celebrate Recovery know, but I don't want the world to know that. And so I kind of did like my children do to me, and I kind of had that thing we call selective hearing. When I wanted to hear from God, you know, I listened, but I didn't want to hear that from God because I didn't want to do that. And so um, God did to me like I do to my children. When they don't listen, he got louder. You know, I tell them again, but I tell them louder the next time so I know they hear me. And that's what God did. And everywhere I turned, it was in my face. Everywhere I went, there it was. I would um, turn on the news, and they would be reporting about it. And I would turn on the Oprah show and, or whatever show, and that would be the feature of the day. 
Or I could open up the newspaper and there would be articles on it. And I never noticed it before. I never knew it was that prevalent. And so I opened up the newspaper one day and there were three articles back to back in a row. And I thought, this is weird. I've never noticed it before. And did I listen? No, because I didn't want to do it. So God continued to get louder. And every time I came and sat down on, on the pews at Whitley Church, God would start filling my mind with what to do about the book. And I would be hearing this stuff in my head. And I thought I was going crazy. I mean, it was like, this is the book, and these are the people, and this is what they're going to say. And let's not go with people, because that might be weird. Let's go with little animal characters. And let's go with kangaroos, because they stand upright, and they look like people. And so they kind of look like people. And I'm sitting there going kangaroos and abuse and I'm looking around and I'm thinking everybody else is paying attention but me because all I'm thinking about I'm in kangaroo land and I'm thinking this is so weird God cannot be telling me to do this I'm just this is odd and so that went on for several months so finally um I said okay I, I mean God wore me down like just like he did about going to celebrate recovery he kept on me about it till he wore me down and he knows that's how I am I'm kind of slow so he's got to wear me down And so he continued to talk to me about it. Every time I came in, it was like electricity when I sat down. God was in my mind about it. And so I sat down one day at the computer, and I said, I'm going to type it out. Not making any promises, God, but I'm going to type it out. And so I did. I typed it out in 45 minutes, the whole thing, from start to finish, because I didn't even write it. It was already in my mind. God had already put it there. I just typed it out, and it was so weird. And so I decided, oh, my gosh, okay, here it is. Now I don't know what to do with this because... You know, I hear all these people say you need to hire an agent. And I was researching on the Internet, and I'm like, I'm a teacher. I cannot afford to hire an agent. I mean, you know, I don't have all this money just to hire an agent. And I don't know what to do, and I don't know who to send it to. Um, and God said, oh, it's okay. You don't have to worry about it. It's going to be published because the book's not even that important. It's, you're going to be speaking about it. The book is going to be your invitation because people are going to say, oh, you wrote a book, so we're going to have you come and speak. And I said, I said, what? Okay, what? That, I am really losing my mind because I think God just told me I'm going to talk about it in front of people. I said, this really is getting ridiculous, God. I, I can't do that. I cannot talk about this in front of people. And he said, oh, yeah, you're a teacher. You'll be able to do it. And I'm like, no, I don't think I can. And he said, yeah, um, you'll be able to do it. And I really did not like that. So I just sent it off to a publisher real quick, and I didn't really want it in my hands anymore. And they sent back a no. They weren't interested. And I said, they said no, and I said, yes, (laughs) praise God. They said no, because I really didn't want to do it. And so I thought, if God really wanted me to do it, then they would have said yes, right? So I'm going to put that on the back burner, and I'm done with that. And um, I didn't know at the time, but God, God let them say no because he knew I wasn't ready. And so um, Jada was born. This was back in 2005. So God's been dealing with me for a long time. And um, then when Jada got to be about two, it started coming back really heavily, the book. And, every, and I would go to bed thinking about it. I would wake up thinking about it, drive down the road thinking about it. And it wasn't me doing it because I didn't want to think about it. And so finally I said, God, I have to know this. If, if it's from you, I'll do it because you would not really seriously be wearing me down for four years over this. I'll do it if you really want me to. But I have to know. I mean, I have to have like, I have to know a real concrete sign here. And I had been at Whitley for four years and we had never had the prophetic word, ever. And all of a sudden, I desperately need a word from God. And ta-da, here comes sign-up sheet for prophetic word. So I said, you know what? I'm going to sign up for that because I have to hear from God. And so I did, and I came, and I had never done it before. But that 10 minutes of prayer changed my life forever. 
if you've never done it, they could not possibly know this stuff about you. It is from God. And so I sat down, and they started telling me, they said, God's been telling you to do something, and you keep thinking it's not from him, but it is. And I said, okay, that's pretty close. (laughs) I thought, okay, but of course, me being the hard-headed person, I was like, okay, I really need a little bit more detail, God. And they said, you keep thinking it's all in your head, but it's time to do it. And I was like, okay. And they, then the next one said, I see some sort of ministry, and you're, you're going to be in some sort of mission with children. And I said, and then I freaked out. You can hear me on the tape crying hysterically. I freaked out. And then the next one said, God is going to bring your gift before men. And I went, that makes sense. Now I really do feel stupid because I knew the whole time, but I didn't want to believe it. Bring your gift before men, speaking in front of people, that makes sense. Okay, children all around you, the book. Okay, I get it now, that makes sense. So I came home and I let Mike hear the tape and I said, I'm going to do it. I said, I'm going to do it, whatever. I know it's from God and I have to do it. So I said, I'm going to go for a Christian publisher this time because last time I didn't go with a Christian publisher and this is from God, so I'm going with a Christian publisher. And so I sent them a letter, and I explained to them why they needed to publish the book and about all the stuff about how Satan was tearing children down, and when they got to be adults, they couldn't serve in the kingdom of God because they were too weak. And I explained all this. And so the company said that you would hear back within 48 hours. And um, I said, okay, 48 hours, that's good, and I had to mail it off. And so a week goes by, and I'm thinking, it took a week to get there probably, and now they're going to look at it, and I'll hear back soon. Two weeks goes by, and I haven't heard anything. Nothing. Not even a, we got your manuscript, and we're looking at it. I didn't get anything. And then a month goes by, and I didn't hear anything. And I was like, what's up with this? Did it get lost in the mail? I mean, what happened here? 48 hours, and it's been a month. And I saw Pastor Jimmy over at the Impact Building, and I said, he came up to me, and he said, I want to get with you sometime, because he knew I was on the outreach team. He said, I want to get with you sometime, and I want to hear your vision for outreach. And because um, I knew my vision for outreach, but I'd never told him because I thought it was crazy. I'm going to write a book about, for children about abuse. I thought it was crazy. So I didn't want to tell him. And I said, well, Pastor Jimmy, right now is really not a good time. I said, but I did send off something that um, I, I made a move, and I haven't heard back. And I was supposed to hear back by now. And he said, and y'all know Pastor Jimmy, he said, girl, you cannot even worry about God and timing. He said, God does stuff in his own time. Did you do what God said? I said, Yeah. He said, well, then don't worry about it. He said, you're done with your part. And I knew that because I've been a Christian since I was a child. I knew that. But it helps when you're in this moment of desperation to hear it from somebody else. And so another month goes by. Two months has gone by, and I'm supposed to hear back in two days. And um, I said, what is the deal, God? You know, I I know you told me to do this. And so I sat down one night. I was in my bedroom, and I said, God, I'm not going to worry about this another day because I know you told me to do it. And, And Pastor Jimmy says, just... It's in your hands. I'm good. I'm not worrying about it another day. And the very next day, I got to school and checked my email. And the company had emailed me. The very next day, and they had already sent it the night before. Right after I just left work, they had sent it, and I just hadn't checked it. So God had already delivered it, and I didn't even know it. And they said, we're considering your manuscript, and we've passed you through the first stage. And they said, you're within single digits that make it this far, because this company only publishes 4%. And so... I knew it was going to be published because the whole two months I was waiting, God was just really um, exciting my spirit over it. And so I knew it was going to be published. So when I saw that, I knew it had to be. And so they said, well, you'll hear back from us soon. Okay, and I'm thinking soon means what? 
a couple days, you know, soon is past the first level. I'm thinking a couple days, I'm going to hear back. Okay, two more months goes by. And God was just preparing me because I was going, I know this is going to be published. God, what is taking so long? But he needed that time to prepare my spirit because I'm kind of, like I said, I'm kind of slow. And I had to have a lot of preparation. And God was exciting me about it. And my attitude changed. And I said, God, I don't know why you've asked me to do this, but thank you for asking me to do it. Even though I don't believe I can, I said, thank you, God. I don't believe I can do this, but I appreciate you thinking I can because I don't believe it. And so my attitude changed. So finally, um, after two months of waiting, I got an email over Easter break. God is so good because he even gave me Easter break. I'm a teacher, so I had the whole week off just so I could wrap my mind around this thing. And the email said, we're going to offer you a contract for your book. And I went, oh my gosh, they're really going to publish this crazy book from God. And um, so I sat, so the next day I was outside and they delivered the contract. The UPS brought it and put it right in my hands. And I cannot even tell you what that did for my faith. I mean, I'd always had faith, but I'd never had the kind of faith that the Bible talks about that can move a mountain. You know, there's that kind of faith that can move a mountain. And I knew at that moment that God was going to use this little crazy children's book to move the mountain of sexual abuse out of people's lives. And I knew it at that moment. And so God changed me. And my faith went from, I can't do this, God, to I can do it, God, if you'll be right with me every step of the way. Because I can't do it without you. And so I've been in book production since June, and it's been the craziest thing ever. I mean, I'm an English teacher, so it's been really cool to see the whole process and how it works. It's been really fascinating. But I've been in production since June, and um, God has prevailed in every aspect of it. I mean, every point about it. I could go into so much detail about that, but I just want to leave you with three things. The first one is to do the will of God. I know sometimes he asks us to do these really weird things, but it takes weird things to get the world's attention today. There's a famous writer named Henry David Thoreau. I'm an English teacher, so I had to throw something in there English-wise. He says, as if we could kill time without injuring eternity. And that really resonated with me one day when I read that. We were in an English meeting, and I saw that. And I said, as if we could kill time. We live our lives like that. Like another day won't matter. Another day that we're not doing the will of God, it doesn't matter. We'll do it later. That was my philosophy. I'll do it later. God will really stay on me if he wants me to do it. But we live our lives like that. And every moment that we waste is injuring somebody else's forever because we're robbing them of their blessing. Had Rick Warren not written Celebrate Recovery when God told him to, I would have never come to the meeting. And had Sandy Sasser and her husband not said, we're going to put this in Whitley Church, I would have never come. And I would have never written this book. And then some people who might have seen it would have never, they might be in bondage because of it. Or I might could have saved children from that, and I, and I wouldn't have done it. So every moment that we waste, we are hurting someone else. And secondly, talk to your children when they're little. You know, we, we don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. When, and that's why God wanted me to write it, because it's easy to talk to them if you're reading a little kitty book. Um, that's easy to talk to them. But talk to your children when they're little. Because we need to raise up our children in the way that we should go. And the Bible says to train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. The Bible says that. So we train up our children when they're little. They'll be able to recognize things. And we try so hard to keep them from harm. And we we want to keep them from harm. 
But sometimes we want to protect them too. And we don't want them to know all the things that are going on in the world. But we're leaving them vulnerable when we do that. And they need to know that these things do go on in the world. And I don't mean have the all-out talk with them, but they need to know what's not appropriate, even as young as three years old. And I know that sounds young, but even as young as three years old, they can understand that. There was a gymnastics instructor in North Carolina that molested 11 girls over six months. If he could get to 11 girls over six months, how many people could he have gotten to in his lifetime if he hadn't been caught? The PowerPoint said 400. One person can reach 400 people. If he could get to 11 in six months, he could have easily gotten to 20 a year. And in 20 years, that's 400 people. It is amazing, but we can put a stop to it. If we can talk to our children and let them know what the truth is and let them know how to recognize it, we can stop it. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Next, if you are here and you're a victim of anything from your childhood, but particularly abuse, Satan is seeking whom he may devour, but God is seeking whom he may deliver, and he wants to deliver us today. And I'm going to close with this. I love this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. It says, Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. And as for me, I've decided that I'm not going to be silent anymore about this. Thank you. Now you know why I wanted her to speak this morning. And you may be seated for just a minute. <laughs> Don't ever pray for those tears to dry up. Those tears, tears melt the heart, don't they? Here is the book. Right here. And it's titled, Joey Wants to Know by Selena Smith. I happen to know her. Um, a Parent-Child Guide to Inappropriate Touch. Um, she's going to be signing this book today. The book is $10. And she's going to be doing a book signing today. I believe they've got you set up back here. Is that right? If you would like to get a copy of this today, you may. If you're not prepared to get a copy today, this book will always be available from Whitley Church. And you can get it anytime you want to. What courage... What courage, what an incredible testimony to you about so many things as it relates to you and your life. I believe that as surely as this young lady was spoken to when Sandy shared her testimony, God spoke to some people here today in this service when Selena shared her testimony. Now I want to know how many people are here today because you are friends or family of Selena and you came to hear her today. Would you just wave at me? So none of y'all came to hear me. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I love y'all. God bless you. All right, Selena, I want you to, I want you to just uh, um, go on back there and get set up. The rest of you, while she's getting back there and getting set up with her book, and they're going to they're gonna get her ready, I want you to stand to your feet, if you will, and I want you to just step out and walk up here to the altar. Just walk up here to the altar. 
She was so afraid of being able to speak. Is this girl ready to go speak publicly or what? I'm telling you, man, she had me at hello. <laughs> Isn't that the line from the movie? She had me when she said hello. And, and I just, uh, y'all come up real close because we've got a lot of people here today, so come up tight. Um, we're just going to pray. I, I just want to pray over you because I don't know what's going on in your life. And uh, I, I don't necessarily need to know. God knows and you know. And I may be the person you want to approach, or, or there may be somebody else in the church you want to approach, but God wants you to be healed. And she said something in there that is so important, and, and it's kind of gross to think about it, but when there is an infected place, that place does have to be opened up and get that out so healing and some of us are just so fearful. And can you imagine how afraid Selena was? Not just to, not just to come out publicly and, and be public about any topic, but about that topic. So it's going to be hard for you to top anything that she was afraid of for you to say, yeah, but this happened to me. I don't. I don't think you can top that fear. So if she can do it, the point I'm making is, if she can come out of that, you can. You can. God had you here today to hear this. God had you here in this, mess, in this service today to hear this. So don't waste it. I want to say a word to our prayer ministry team. God bless you prayer ministry team. How many are on our prayer ministry team? Would you raise your hand? Let us see you. Guys, you were the release point for this book to be. She had to hear. She had to get that solid evidence. And I, and I understand that. And it came through you guys. God bless you for that. Thank God for our prayer ministry team. They do so much under the radar that we don't even know about that is so important for the success of this church. Father, as a pastor today, I just pray um, over the hidden injuries. I just pray over the secret injuries that people suffer. There are people here who have been injured and they don't think they can tell it. They don't think they can say it. They don't think there's anybody to talk to. And they carry it with them every day and it affects everything about their life. Father, we just pray today for that secret hurt, that secret energy, uh, injury, because we know that as surely, Jesus, as you heal a broken arm or you heal a bad cold or you heal cancer, you are the healer of emotional wounding. You are the healer of, of our spirit being wounded. You are that healer who heals that secret hurt. And we just, we just submit to you today. And we pray, Father, that people who are experiencing that will know there's somebody they can talk to that they will call our church or or they will 
write down their name and phone number and hand it to me this morning and say, Pastor, please call me. Uh, we want to be here for those who are hurting. We're not, a, we're not a church at all if we don't care about that. So, Father, we just come before you today and ask you to use Whitley Church. Use Whitley Church to be a church that people know I can go there and find help without being judged. Father, we commit Selena to you. We commit this book. I lay my hands on this book right now. And I pray, Father, that this little book about Joey the kangaroo will heal multiplying thousands. And not just heal, but God prevent the injury of multiplied thousands, maybe even millions. I prayed that this book would be written in languages beyond English and it would cover the globe. I pray, Father, that if it's your will, that this may be the first of a series of books that you will use Selena to write. We, we simply pray this, thy will be done in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Don't forget before you leave today to go and um, pick up your gift bag if you're visiting with us today. Mike? Okay, those of you who are going to pick up your kids, uh, there is uh, books available at the Impact Building, too, if you need to go pick up your kids and you want to get a book. She's got it set up over there, too. And, and if you weren't prepared to get it today, you, you can get it any time you come to church here at Whitley. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming.